so good to, to see many of you coming back. And we are expecting a full force next week, all coming back from holiday, and then subsequently going to two services. Wonderful. There are exciting times ahead in the kingdom of God, in this city, in this church. Be part of it. Amen? Be part of it. God is going to do a great and mighty thing. There are great plans in store. Hallelujah. This morning, as, uh, as, as, uh, as I was preparing, the Lord has been putting this scripture in my heart for a couple of months, and I keep seeing it popping up again and again in many places. So I'll start off there. And uh, it's from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 to 3. And uh, it speaks about enlarge. It speaks about enlarging. Enlarge the places of your tent. We know that uh, in the Old Testament, as well as in many places in the Middle East, people live in tent. And God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Dispossessed nations, referring to Gentiles. Prophet Isaiah is giving a picture of what is about to happen in the future. That was about 700 years before Christ came. He's giving a picture of how the Gentiles are going to come together with the Jews into the kingdom of God. And he's talking about nations. Many did not catch it fully at that time because it was also a time that he was talking about Israel being restored after they go to, into exile. And God is about to do greater things in the days to come. So as we see that scripture, it says that, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. God is speaking about giving a picture of growth and increase to the left and to the right. And he's giving a picture of, of people from other nations coming into the kingdom of God. And when we look at the picture of growth and increase, it reminded me of what Jesus was talking about, the parable of the sowers in Matthew 13. The farmer went out sowing seeds. Some fell on the path, some on rocky places, some among thorns, some among good soils. And this is how, as we go to the nations and we scatter the seed, which is the Word of God, God is the one that causes the growth. He's the one that causes people to be born again. He's the one that causes people to be transformed, people to be set free, people from darkness coming into the light. He's the one that called people out of, of, of death into life. And He is the one that has chosen us and many others before the foundations of the earth. That's so amazing. It was not an accident that any of us are seated here worshiping Jesus. It is a choice, a sovereign choice that God has led us into His kingdom through Jesus, His Son. His Spirit has gone and wooed and drawn us into the kingdom, drawn us to Jesus. And this is what God wants to be done throughout the nations. So when the farmer going, goes out sowing seeds, he's visualizing the harvest in future. No farmer that going 
goes to showing out seats will be thinking that nothing's going to happen. He, may know, he knows that there might be some seeds that never germinate. But he, he's expecting a harvest. He has expectation. He has hopes. And he believes that you know, his labor will not be in vain. So when he began to sow seeds, he's having the expectation that life is going to come forth in future. So certainly a crop has been expected. So as the word of God says that we will reap a harvest in due time if we do not give up. So we need to have the mindset of this farmer that goes up faithfully serving and, uh, and uh, sowing the seed from season to season, expecting a harvest. And God has called us into this ministry, each and every one of us. Like Paul writes to Timothy, preach the gospel in season and out of season. Timothy was not an evangelist, but he stood, and he has to do with pastoral matters. But yet, Paul writes to him, do the work of an evangelist. Preach in season and out of season. Expect the harvest. Expect lives to come to the kingdom. And this is what God is uh, speaking in terms of increasing to the right and left. So when we look into the scripture further, let us go into John chapter 4 in verses 7 to 10. It's about the Samaritan woman who meets Jesus by the well. So when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? For his disciples have gone out to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, you knew the gift of, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman here. It was not any woman. It was a woman that sees herself as an outcast in her own society. And she avoided meeting other women in the morning and she comes at noon time to to be away from all the gossip and laughter and all the comments that people might make about her life. And here she comes with a broken life. Here she comes with a desire, with a thirst in her soul for something more. And in the conversation with Jesus, she admits when Jesus told her that she has had five husbands and the one that she's living now is not a husband. Jesus tells her the truth about her life. And yet she's not offended, but she's amazed that the truth comes out from the mouth of this Jewish man. And it's culturally inappropriate for a Jew to speak to a woman in public, especially when she's a Samaritan. And here Jesus is crossing culture. And here's this woman looking and hearing something from Jesus beyond being offended, beyond being, being feeling belittled. She's listening to the truth. And uh, as she listened to what Jesus says, Jesus honored her, valued her, and gave her dignity, worth. And that's how he's looking at every soul, whether it's of the similar or whether it's of another culture. Jesus is looking at every soul with value, with worth, and dignity. And it's God's will that none shall perish, but all have eternal life. Will you say amen? 
Amen. God is, is preciously looking at every soul. And he plainly reveals to her that I am he, the Messiah. When she answers, are you the Messiah? He plainly reveals to her, I am he, the Messiah. He saw her brokenness. He saw the thirst in her soul, wanting to know who the Messiah is. And Jesus reveals himself to her. Interestingly, many Jews and others have come to Jesus before this. He heals them, sets them free, and he tells them, go and tell nobody. Go to the priest and show yourself. But to this woman, he says, I am he. I am the Messiah. He, he is willing to reveal himself to her. And we look at John 4, verse 28 and 39 to 42. Then she left her water jar. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. All she did was, she says that, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, she was avoiding the crowd. She was avoiding people coming at noon time. But here something is stirring within her soul after meeting Jesus. Something new is happening and she is not looking at the shame or guilt. She has met somebody who's speaking right into her life. And she's coming back to the crowd, facing them and telling them, come and see this man who told me everything. The transformation was already happening in her life. From a person of guilt and shame, she's coming to be the spokesman of Jesus. She was beginning a journey of being an evangelist to her village. She was speaking about the truth of the kingdom of God, speaking the name of Jesus, telling people whom she has met. And verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She was not an apostle. She was not an evangelist. She was not known as a righteous woman. She was not known to be rich or famous. She was one that started the morning with guilt and shame and brokenness. By noon time, she was a transformed person reaching out to souls for Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus mighty? Isn't Jesus great in how in an instant manner he can transform life for the glory of your name? The past few days, my wife and me have been rejoicing over one of our relatives in Malaysia who came to know the Lord. It's an impossible, hardcore situation. But Jesus came into his life. When she called some of the leaders and, and friends in church in Malaysia, they are about two to three hours away from where the nephew is. They took their effort. They put in the effort to drive two to three hours to go minister to him. And two days ago, he was out of hospital and he was telling my wife, in tears, I saw Jesus. And from his voice, you can hear that he's, he has got such peace and such transformation. He is a different person from whom he was. A hardcore and impossible man gets safe. Jesus is visiting people by spirit all over the world. Nothing is impossible. Even if you think there is someone impossible within your family, among your friends, or among your schoolmates, nothing is impossible. Whether the person is an atheist, a Buddhist, or Hindu, or, or a free thinker, when the Holy Spirit touches, nobody can say no to Jesus. Hallelujah. He is there knocking. And when He knocks at the door of your heart, He knows how to soften that heart. He knows how to open and minister to that person. 
We can be lost of ideas, lost of, of ways and means and how to reach out to a person. All we need to do is just like this woman, tell them what he has done for you. As simple as that. We do not need any profound theological debate there. Just talk about Jesus and what he has done for you. And when we hear this woman saying, come see a man. He has told me everything I did. And she became an open book. She was an open book. And now with all confidence, she's being transparent. See a man who has told me everything I did. The glory goes to Jesus. And here stands a life that's transformed. And the scripture says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of that woman, one woman. And in verse 40, he, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They invited Jesus, come, stay with us. They want to hear for themselves. They want to see Jesus for themselves. Doesn't the scripture say, come, taste and see that the Lord is good? Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. And they heard him. They saw him. They felt him. I believe some people touched him. And he touched some people. And what was the outcome? In verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. We have tasted and see how good he is. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I love this phrase that this man really is the savior of the world. 40 years ago, I was, in, uh, I was in darkness searching and seeking for the God that I did not know. Coming from a non-Christian background, I, was the, I, I am the first generation Christian in my family. And when Jesus revealed himself into my life, it was like night and day, day and night. And between heaven and earth, there was clear, as clear as crystal, as clear as anything. He revealed my spirit. There is one way, there is one name, and there is one path to heaven, to the Father, and it's Jesus. He turned my life around. He turned me inside out. The woman just left uh, her water jar. And when I look back into my own life, I never regretted all the ambitions and desire that I left behind because he stirred my heart more than the Samaritan woman he revealed that on this planet earth, there's only one name by which man must be saved, the scripture says. Man must be saved, the scripture says. Like these people in the Samaritan village says that this man really is the savior of the world. After living with him for two days, they all can make such a conclusion. And I pray that if for each and every one of us who've got a Bible who's been to the church, who has worshipped this King of kings and Lord of lords. And I pray by His Spirit, you will receive that revelation that Jesus is the only way. As He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Under heaven and on earth, there is no other name by which man can be safe. There's only one mediator between man and God, and that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, 
You will touch every soul here this morning, giving this revelation that will turn us around like the Samaritan woman, like many others, that we will become a spokesman for Jesus. We will speak the name of Jesus, and we will call upon many to turn to the name of Jesus. No matter what our past, Jesus steps in, and we have a story to tell. This Samaritan woman had her own past. My wife's nephew has his own past. And he was shouting hallelujah over the phone. What a transformation. Glory to Jesus. All glory to him. We will have a story to tell when Jesus steps into our lives. It's not just about coming to church and enjoying the worship. The worship is about him. Amen. We want to be blessed. We want to be set free. We want to be refreshed in His presence in worship. But it's more than just about us. It is about exalting and lifting the name of Jesus in Christ church in this nation. Till He began to pour His Spirit. Forty years ago, the Lord gave us this vision. As we lift up our hands and worship, He's going to pour down His Spirit. And guess where that vision in Malaysia came forth? It came forth from Christ church. And it transformed thousands of lives in Malaysia, especially in East Malaysia. And that vision has kept going to many places and in many other nations. That vision was born in Christ church. That as we lift up hands and worship Him, He's going to pour out His Spirit. But it's not just about us worshipping Him. But worship requires us to be obedient. Present your lives as, as uh, your, living, uh, your body as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. God is calling for more than just songs and giving, but He's calling us to be His people who will obey His commandment, will obey His vision, and will obey His purposes in our life. I pray that we will have the excitement about Jesus. We will have the zeal to tell others about Jesus, like this woman and many others. Looking at, John, uh, at the early church in Acts 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. That was Stephen who died under the feet of Saul during persecution. And in verse 4, those who had been scattered, preached the word wherever they went. Now, who was scattered and who stayed behind? The apostles stayed behind in Jerusalem when there was persecution. Very often, we've seen in movies, when people want to defeat another group of people, they will go after the leadership. Strike the shepherd, strike the leadership, people will be scattered. But in all things, God works out for good. In everything, He works out in the conformity of His will. The commandment Jesus gave in Acts 1.8 is, go and preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And they were having a great time in Jerusalem after Pentecost. And then the persecution come. Subsequently, it's the disciples, the apostles that stayed back. And it's the people, the thousands of people. Remember Peter preached, 3,000 got saved. The people, the ordinary men and women went out to Judea and Samaria fulfilling Jesus' commandment, which was left behind in Acts 1.8. And they were fulfilling the scripture, bringing the gospel to all the nations that were scattered around these places. It's interesting. 
that in all things, God works out in conformity of His will. Whether it's a Pentecost experience, whether it's a persecution experience, in all things He has at work. Whether we are in our ups or down this morning, He's at work in the midst of that. And as we continue to acknowledge Him, He's able to restore, He's able to transform, He's able to open doors, He's able to continuously guide us because He's faithful. He's unchanging. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows about yesterday, today. He knows about the next hour and the years to come. Everything is before Him. And He's in control. We need to come to a place of rest in Him, trusting Him. We all go through anxieties, moment of trembling. We all go through that. But time and time again, we need to come to that place of rest and anchor ourselves in His faithfulness, in His love, in His promises, and say, yes, Lord, I surrender afresh my life to You in this position, in these circumstances. And we move on to what He has for us in store. And He is able to complete what He has begun. He is faithful, all-powerful, all-knowing, and He changes not. So when we look into Acts 8, verse 1 to 4 just now, it was not the apostles. It was the ordinary people. And they all had their own stories. Like the Samaritan woman had her own story. These were ordinary people who were scattered in Judea and Samaria. Some of them heard about Jesus crucified and raised again. Some of them saw the Pentecost experience, the Holy Spirit come, coming down with tongues of fire. Some of them saw the, the man that was lame and he got up and walked again. And some of them, they themselves were healed. Some were delivered and some were blessed uh, in their poverty. They found food, clothing and provision and a lot of miracles. Each of them had their own version of story about Jesus and the new thing that was happening in Jerusalem and a new thing that was happening in their life was brought forth into others outside the perimeter, outside their comfort zone. They certainly were out of their comfort zone because they were under persecution. And sometimes it takes us to come out of our familiar and comfort zone to go and meet someone, to visit a family, to visit an individual, to talk about Jesus. It takes courage, it takes boldness, knowing that one side there's persecution, fire and brimstone, hell and, and uh, murder, everything's waiting. But here as they go, they're talking about Jesus. They need not use a hailer, but they're meeting families, relatives, friends, who are traveling throughout Judea and Samaria to talk about Jesus. So God is working among ordinary people. The heart and the soul of the gospel is Jesus. And everyone who have met him have a story to talk about him. In Acts 1.8, as, uh, as uh, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you and you will be my witnesses. We can no more restrict the command to witness to any group of people than can we restrict the promise of the Holy Spirit to just a certain group of people. They that receive the Holy Spirit have that ability and power to be a witness for Christ. In words, in deeds, in prayer, in kindness, in love, sharing the story about Jesus. In Ephesians 4, it talks about the fivefold ministry, equipping the saints for the works of the ministry so that the saints are ready for doing good works. 
it's not just these good works. Jesus went around doing good works too. But good works is not restricted to feeding the poor and the hungry. But it's also to, to many other things that is mentioned in the scriptures. The, the, the fivefold ministry is to release the people into good works, relieve them in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, teach them about administration, but above all, to teach, to, to equip the church about witnessing to the world about Jesus. And this is the purpose of the fivefold ministry there. So we are called to be stewardships of the gospel. What other greater things are we given as a steward? It's not about just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about money. It's not just about this and that. The greatest gift that we inherit is eternal life. The free gift that we inherit and we are called to be stewards. The greatest gift, the greatest free gift is Jesus. No greater stewardship than to share the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 to 9, Paul expresses it well. For the love of Christ compels us. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And Paul says to Timothy, what you have heard from me, teach us to others who will teach us to other faithful people. The ministry of reconciliation is passed on from Paul to Timothy to the second and third generation. And it has to go on. And Jesus himself said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I am with you to the very end of age. God wants us to pass on the baton of this gospel. It's not restricted in a certain group of people or a certain season. It is a message for all seasons, for all people. He has called us into his kingdom for many reasons. Above all, that our lives be a light and salt and we are able to witness and we have a story about Jesus. For Christ's love compels us, Paul says. I remember about 40 years ago, that night, 18 December, when I gave my life to Jesus, I felt so, so clean inside. And for the first time in my life, I felt the love of God. And, and that, that love of God began to compel my heart that the whole world need to hear about Jesus. This one name will make a difference between heaven and hell. This one name can bring salvation to all nations. This one name can set free any lives on this planet Earth. And he says, I am with you to the very end of age. The Samaritan woman had a simple story. Come, see this man who told me everything I did. The church in the book of Acts, each of them that were scattered in Judea and Samaria, they had their own stories. And I would like us to write our own story. Many of us have long story about our journey with Jesus. But sometimes people don't have time for long stories. I remember learning about this. A three-minute story is very effective. And I know children remember TV advertisements very well. One of the reasons is because it is short with much positivity and a lot of encouragement dumped into it. And we look at this three-minute story. We can come up with a three-minute story, keep your longer version for some other time. Start with your life before Christ. Continue with the moment of Christ, the moment you met Christ. 
and talk about your life after Christ in three minutes. Hallelujah. Can we write that story? Yeah, can we write that story? Perhaps some of you can write a three-minute story and put it into the box there. We would love to read. If nobody's reading, I'll be sure to read your story. Please write your name there. Leave your phone number there and I will respond to you. Yeah, write your story, just a three-minute story. Before Christ, the moment of Christ and after Christ. Because when we meet people at the airport, when we meet people at the clinic, when we meet people in the highways and byways, people don't have half an hour to three hours. Sometimes it's a three-minute story. You're dropping a seed and God can water that seed and it will grow. And one day, you might see them worshipping Jesus. And you'll remember, oh, I met this person. Or they say, I heard your story here. I heard your story there. So I will encourage you to write a three-minute story before your moment of Christ where you encountered God, how Jesus intervened and stepped into your life and after Christ. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. So whenever the Holy Spirit is prompting you, to share your story, boldly step out in confidence, knowing that God has called you, He will go with you, and He will work through you. This is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone on this planet Earth. Hallelujah. We'll be arrived together. Hallelujah. Let us give our hearts to Jesus afresh this morning that we could also write a three-minute story before the moment of Christ and after Christ. Ask God, what is my story, Lord? Ask Him, Holy Spirit, give me my story. Some of us might even have forgotten that encounter, that moment. Or you witness a story of your parents, your siblings, your friend. It can become a borrowed story. But above all, let it be your story. Scripture says very clearly, Jesus said, For God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him shall have, he shall have eternal life. He shall not be condemned, but he shall have eternal life. If there's anyone here this morning, you haven't given your life to Jesus, and you want your story, your experience, your encounter, Jesus is the way for salvation. It's the power of God that brings salvation to all men, saving us from all sins, all circumstances. He's the Redeemer. He's the Savior of the world. If you're in that position that you haven't given your life to Jesus, would you please slip up your hand wherever you are? Every head bow down. We encourage you to slip up your hand. We have a cloud of witnesses, the Scripture says. Wherever you are, just slip up your hand to Jesus. We would love to pray with you. 
that you too have the encounter with Jesus. You can tell him, yes, yes, Jesus, I open my heart to you. Do not hesitate. The apostles plead. They say, be reconciled with God. If you're feeling far away, you have encountered Jesus. Lift up your hands to Jesus this morning. It will make a difference because of His presence, because of the work of His Holy Spirit. Your life will be transformed this morning. He is here. He is here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anyone watching online, there's somebody in the days to come you too want to surrender your life to Jesus? You could just simply say a simple prayer such as this. And I encourage everyone that is doubtful, that is uncertain, put your faith on Jesus. He will restore you in this simple prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, can we encourage others by praying together? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. For my sins, I confess that you are my Lord, my Savior. I surrender my life to you and I worship you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Glory to Jesus.